0: This is Coda Radio, episode 437 for October 25th, 2021. Hello, friend. Welcome into Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and the business of software development and the world of technology. This episode is brought to you by Cloud Guru. A Cloud Guru has Cloud Playground, Azure, AWS, and Google Cloud sandboxes on ACG's credit card. Not yours. <laughs> Get certified. Get hired. Get learning at a cloudguru.com. My name is Chris. And joining me like the champion he is, even after a late night support session, it's our host, Mr. Dominic. Hello, Mike. Hey, why not? There must always be another Python script. You know, one day we'll figure out a way to automate you. Somehow. You know, I'll join you one day and I'll just be chatting with Alice and I won't even realize it for like the first 15 minutes. You know, I know it's coming. Honestly? Please do. Yeah, would you take that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, would take I know, right?
1: I would like to be lounging in a soaking tub like a Russian czar. Sure. Oh, yeah.
0: So, do you like the Golden Girls? Oh, man. Thank you for being a friend. I love the Golden Girls. Listen, if, the, if,
1: if there's a gift, there'll be a card on it, and it'll say exactly that. Yeah. I have been binging the Golden Girls because... There is something about B. Arthur's D that gives me strength when I need to keep going.
0: Yeah, she's so sassy. She's so sassy. Ooh. <laughs> what was that? And now I'm coming back all of a sudden. You got you got somebody else in there listening to me? No, something bad happened. Hang on. Thank you for being a
1: friend. Travel down the
0: road and back again. Alright, now I hear you. Alright, there we go. One well,
1: of the problems with my house being like all Apple is any, like my kid can hijack what I'm doing because I'm using the AirPods Max for the show. Right,
0: right, right. Hey, it's right. my, uh, was it Nurse who got me? They, they broke, so. It seems like it really sucks, too. Like it messes that auto figure out where to play from all the time. It's a horrible feature. Like if
1: someone turns on an iOS device, it just looks like, oh, let me steal the feed from the Mac. But anyway.
0: Well, do I sound any different today to you? No, Why? Oh, because I'm talking to you from space, I'm talking to you from space today. I'm. Uh, this is the first live stream and the first VoIP call I've ever done over Starlink. Ooh. yeah, yeah. I mean, in the order of things, air. I've done LUP first, but in for you know what airs, but in terms of recording schedule, this is it, baby. This is my first production uh, trial. I found. I found a spot in the woods like I had to drive around for a bit to find enough clearing because there's so there's like a tree canopy around here. But I'm out here way away from the coast because there's a cyclone bomb going off that has like 60 mile per hour winds on the coast. So we went inland. We're right at the foot of the Cascade Mountains. And I found a clearing in the woods where I could get the RV level. And I put Starlink, the little dish out there. And it's awesome. We're doing the whole show live. From the RV, everything streamed from the RV, everything. Dang. It's pretty cool. It's a game changer for my work. I, I got emotional when I first started using it because I've never really had great internet in here. So, in the
1: art and business, is this like a big investment or? Um,
0: you know, it's, it's 400 bucks to get the dish. Okay, so it's like a, an eighth of a MacBook Pro. Right, yeah. And then uh, you, you got like a $100 a month service. But as of right now, because it's still kind of technically in the beta, uh, there's no caps. There's no limits like I have with LTE. There's no throttling. And I've seen upwards of 240 megabits, and I've seen probably an average of 130 megabits. My ping time right now is where recording is around 30 milliseconds to Google. Not bad at all for space, right? Jesus Christ, Major Tom. I know. And you know, these damn dishes are Linux boxes. There's a Linux computer in there that does everything you need to talk to the dishes I mean, to the satellites, I don't have to go through their router. I can plug it directly into my router so I can manage it with all my LTE connections and, and everything else that I have. And it just integrates in with my LAN. My existing Wi-Fi access points are connected to it. It's oh, it's glorious, dude. It is glorious. It's game changer time. It really, it really means, you know, I can go out and about. I don't even need the studio. Like if if it burns to the ground, I'll be okay. I preferred it, you know, because the studio isn't moving and isn't constantly changing, isn't affected by the rain like this place is. It's loud sometimes. But yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. So I know you were up pretty early this morning. And since I've been out and about hunting in the woods, I didn't get a time to go through the email. So I thought maybe you and I would chat about like Alice launch follow up and how support's been. And, you know, and I know you've at this point you've run some ads outside of Facebook and I don't know. Like, how's that going? I, how's the support stuff going?
1: Uh, so, yeah, there, there's a lot. I mean, I was up working on Alice late last night. Of course, when you have real customers, you have edge cases and you have to handle that. When I say I was up late last night, this is where the Golden Girls reference comes in. Picture it. Florida. 2021, a man hunched over his MacBook Air, wakes up, cradling said MacBook Air on the kitchen floor with Visual Studio Code open. <laughs> okay. Did you just wake up in a haze? <laughs> According to GitLab, I wrote like a lot of code last night and I kind of cut memory usage analysis by about 20%. Ooh, sounds inspired. Ah, yeah. I mean, if you've read it in Lovecraft, you would be a little concerned, but yeah, that sounds... Uh, <laughs> so inspired as something, I would say I opened an interdimensional portal where I just started writing
0: things in C. Did you? Did you really? Are you kidding me? Did you switch to C overnight? Like in, in some weird fugue state, in like a, a like focus state in the middle of the night, you just said, you know what? Python's been great, but you know what's even better? <laughs> Is that what happened? <laughs>
1: I mean, I can tell you what my exact thought process was because one of the beauties of this just being a pure like exhaustion thing. So like Alice Architecture, right? It uses Python as the primary language and then some Rust. Now, the problem with Rust is, and and this is a technical term, it's kind of a little bitch. Yeah, I'm familiar with that term. At three in the morning, you sort of don't care. (laughs) Yeah, you're kind of like, you don't want to fool with this. I just want to get it done. So then you drop
0: to... C: for reasons that are very insane. And just so I understand like the context. Were you under a time pressure as well? Like were you trying to get something done for this client?: I had to get something done for this morning. Uh-huh.
1: Uh-huh. OK. <laughs> so I woke up, did the demo. It was a special thing for a, a customer. And the demo went well. but then I looked at the code, and somebody who works with me looked at the code. The commit logs themselves are amazing. It's the rantings of a madman, <laughs> but phrased in terms of algebra.
0: You got to show this to me. This is good.
1: Because <laughs> remember, Alice doesn't really right. So this is like the dirty little secret of Alice. She doesn't need to understand the data. Right. She needs to understand the structure of the data. Sure. Sure. Right. Like a, like those old fashioned silhouette paintings. Everything is basically C, right? Like if we go back into, I mean, everything's binary, but if, you know, I hate you Fox pro. I hate you so much. That's a that's one for the kids to Google Fox Pro and then they'll understand. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't say that my code will make anybody happy other than it works. But it's like if you could think of what functional C programming looks like, that's that's what it is. Like, I didn't even go objective with it. <laughs> I was that pissed. I just went straight C.
0: I like I like to think of this as sort of a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde kind of thing. You know? right. When I
1: flip out, I'm a C programmer. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I send mean tweets and I write C, although I didn't tweet. I'm very proud of myself.
0: Good job. You know, I mean, uh, and I don't even think I got, did I get a Slack? I don't even think I saw a Slack rant last no. night. No. No. Wow. Miss- huh. Personal growth. Yeah, I'm going to miss that, Mike, a little bit. Not going to lie. Made for good show content. Going to miss that guy. <laughs> But, you know, this works, too. This works, too. Well, here we are hashing it out on the show. So I, I'll take what I can get. The difference is pounding uh, jasmine tea. <laughs> tea, huh? <laughs> yeah, tea. You know, I'm with Ted Lasso on the tea. It's not for me. Ch- Chase with vodka. But yeah, I've tried. I've tried. You know, I like the idea of a nice steady caffeine drip all day long because I, I just like I go to the I go to the max. Oh, oh, do you know why I'm still standing? Hmm. Amazon makes their own energy drinks. Really? Like an Amazon Basics energy drink? I swear to God. Yeah, I have them in my. I mean, in fact, I have one in front of me. Jesus, I can't believe they haven't done this before. It actually makes a lot of sense. How are they, though? Well, I'm, I'm sorry. Why is there a pink elephant flying by? Him? <laughs> <laughs> is,
1: is he got Jeff Bezos' face? What's going on? <laughs> I can say this is more of a medicinal product. <laughs> You're definitely not drinking this because you want to, but it works. <laughs> yeah, okay. Hmm. I'll have to look for that. I mean, if I like. Take a heart attack tonight. That sucks. I've only had three of them, so I think I'm okay. You be careful over there. It's like pulling in um, pulling in .NET packages, and then the .NET Foundation decides that they hate you, and you can't do
0: Ooh, too much. No, you know, I've been wondering how to talk about this because I don't follow it very closely. And I didn't want to, like, you know, we just got done getting everybody upset over workers' rights because you and I did not understand, like, what a big controversy this is in the actual world of employed people right now because you and I are out here on the fringes. I just say, literally woke up on the floor. kitchen floor. <laughs> <right? Like. laughs> and we just walked right into that one like a couple of jackasses. So I didn't want to do the same thing when it came to this .NET stuff because we got emails into the show and people were like, I want to know what you guys think about this. And people seemed fired up. And... So I could tell there was a couple of things happening. First of all, it seemed like there was some questioning of really what the .NET Foundation's role was, and was it really there just to normalize Microsoft's control? That was a whole issue. At the same time, there was backlash going on because Microsoft decided to reverse a feature and then move that feature into the paid version of Visual Studio, and everybody got really pissed. <laughs> yeah, so so, so this is two separate things, though, right? Yeah. Microsoft,
1: so I think that one's the easier one to talk about. It's a live reload of uh, basically Blazor, which is like, I don't know, if you've done like Python, Ginger, Ruby, or Ruby, Ruby, right? Sir. It's the .NET equivalent to a templating engine. That was going to be on all platforms in VS Code. And then they decided to not do that they said for reasons of time, but then it leaked that it was for strategic reasons, i.e., huh, we're giving away a great editor. <laughs> we also sell an editor. That seems bad.
0: You know, it's also awkward is like names of the business execs that said it'd be better to withhold this. Like they, their identities were included in these documents that the community got. They, it's just.
1: Well, it's it's worse that what it was that, that it was a, I forgot her name, but it was a woman, that woman's. uh boss right the vp above her actually ended up reversing it yeah it's so like you got publicly overruled that's like oh geez yeah.
0: Yuck. Yeah. Yeah. And then Microsoft said, uh, you know, we made a mistake at executing on our decision and it took longer than expected to respond back to the community. <laughs> <My> translation, <laughs> we got caught. Yeah, we got caught and then we had an internal debate and then we didn't know how to proceed. And then finally we got common sense and realized that this wasn't the hill we wanted to die on and realized our reputation was being burnt over this and it wasn't going away. <laughs> and so now we're making a public statement. Oh, boy, that's pretty bad. Well, the problem is the Visual
1: Studio business, right, Visual Studio proper, doesn't really make sense with the rest of Microsoft right now. And I know I sound like a madman, but...
0: It's a legacy thing.
1: Right, but their whole thing is driving developers to Azure and making money on Azure. Yeah. There's no reason to be charging for Visual Studio. The simplest way to solve this problem is forget about community, professional, enterprise. Just make Visual Studio free. Done.
0: You know, I I agree, and I think... Microsoft has done such a good job of transitioning to the quote unquote cloud era that we don't really tend to pick at the bones of where they haven't really improved. And when you look at some of their more traditional, generally on-premise focused businesses, they're they're still milking those for as much as they can, and they don't really want to move on. (laughs) And I think Visual Studio is the key to that ecosystem. That, you know, build it here on your premises and you run it right here on your intranet and their corporate applications that, you know, need to be maintained or need to be updated for compatibility purposes or need to be converted for whatever reason. And uh, that's where they're still selling a bunch of Visual Studio code, I think. And so for to them, to them, it'd be crazy to give it away for free because it's kind of becoming it's the enterprise product and (laughs) they don't like giving that stuff away for free. There's still very much traditional Microsoft in some of those areas. No one wants to turn down a check, right? But the
1: other issue was it was a little fuzzier, right? They were doing something strange with having to control GitHub accounts that were.
0: Yes, yes. This is one of the reasons why I didn't really bring it up before because I I didn't follow it very well. Um, but I I guess it was something. It was something something in that uh, in that regard. But you know, I I it's hard to know from the outside. If this is a genuine controversy, or if this is a personality conflict, and this was kind of both. And it seemed like there was an apology attempt about it, and that apology was also really taken poorly, and... When you're coming in from the outside and you see all that stuff, it's just sort of a, an offput, And I just didn't really think, ah, I don't want to wade into this drama. But now in retrospect, I actually kind of regret it because I think there was something genuinely happening here between Microsoft and the development community. And the drama aspects of it were just enough that it put me off that I didn't pay attention to it. Yeah, I was also tired of getting yelled at. So I also
1: ignored it. But I do feel we should have covered it. I mean, Having said that, I'm not sure what the right thing is, right? Like, you know, I'm getting more and more like granola hippie-ish where I feel like open source things need to be run by a nonprofit, you know, 5013 or 50 whatever it is, foundations, not corporations. Because hmm.
0: you're always going to end up in a commercial conflict. Yeah, I mean, look what happened ultimately to CentOS. You know, I think that was a that was a conflict of the sales department versus the engineering department there internally at Red Hat based on, you know, what we can kind of piece together. And
1: then I know someone's going to say, well, there is a .NET Foundation, but look at who runs the .NET Foundation. Like, look at the board. Like, okay, can I fry some insane bacon that people are going to get mad at? Man, you know I bring bacon every single week just in case. It's not really a conspiracy theory, time. I would almost argue that anyone who's an MVP or otherwise, if you have been on the Scott Hanselman show, you should be disqualified from the .NET Foundation board. (laughs) If you are an employee of Microsoft, you should be disqualified. If you actually think Windows is a good operating system, you should be disqualified. The last one I'm joking, but the first one I'm serious, right?
0: (laughs) No, I think maybe it's good. I think I like all of them.
1: (laughs) Because it's kind of like, like I love Hanselman. He's a nice guy, I guess. But they're so in their own world. And they're trying to come into this open source thing. It's like, no, actually, we're not buttoned up professionals here. We're assholes. Yeah. I mean, we have BSD users and we
0: let them hang around. They make me sick. Oh. Well, and they're not competing in a Microsoft ecosystem. They're competing in the gr- greater tech ecosystem. So that's where I actually think maybe you're, they don't like Windows point is actually ra- rather relevant because you got to get outside the Microsoft Echo chamber. Right. Like,
1: get Marco Arment there, and he's going to say, mm, your code makes me want to cry because it's so ugly. <laughs> right, get people who, like, actively hate you. Like, I, I want... Yeah, but, but then they'll fix the font, and he'll be happy. So <laughs> it is true. That's just a problem with him. He's... <laughs> Uh, it's Helvetica Noia, or, or now it's San Francisco on Mac, <laughs> which is basically that they, they were tired of paying the license for
0: Helvetica. I think your point, though, is taken. Uh, it does seem, um, Miguel de Caza tweeted, and he'd know, he tweeted that, uh, well, the inspiration for the .NET Foundation was the Gnome Foundation, which I'm not sure. But I think he was saying that, yeah, it's designed because, the, you know, Red Hat's a huge influence on Gnome. And you look at, you know, the contributions to Gnome and the, and the foundation and who runs all that, and you, they're either Red Hat employees or, you know, affiliated. It, it feels very much like Red Hat runs the Gnome project, although they would say that's very much not the case, and they would dispute, and they would say, I'm being toxic even saying that. But you just look at the numbers, right? Uh, and it seems sort of the same for the .NET Foundation. Wait a minute,
1: Chris. That was inappropriate. Are you suggesting that people follow their financial incentives?
0: Leno.com slash Coder. Go there to get $100 in credit. And of course, you support this here show. But I mean, $100 in credit on a new account for 60 days. That's a bold statement. (laughs) If you think about it, think about that from a business standpoint. Like when you're coming up with that offering, what are you really saying as a business? It means you believe in your product. Right. It means you believe your product will speak for itself. And if you give someone one hundred dollars, they can actually really try it for more than just a hot minute. (laughs) I mean, that's really what it is. And I think that's a bold statement and one that uh, I find appealing. You know, I've used Linode for a couple of years, but I have friends that have used Linode for over a decade. They've been around since 2003. They use Linux for stuff way before anybody thinks you can use Linux for that stuff. This is something you come across if you do any kind of like research on Linode, like I have, because I check out all of our sponsors, right? And I did some I did some reading. Uh, like Linode, first of all, they were the first to really figure out where user mode Linux was going. They were the first to really figure out that using a bunch of Apache virtual hosts was only going to scale so far, and that there were new features in the kernel that could really change the game. And they saw how you could run multiple secure machines on one piece of powerful hardware, way before AWS even existed. But what's great about Linode is they've really kept it interesting. They've really innovated all along because they're so passionate about this. You know when you really get into something because you care about it, you put everything into it. That's why they have the best customer service out there. That's why they have such a comprehensive marketplace for easy deployment of great open source projects. And it's not just like the standard checklist of, of course they have those, like your NextClouds and whatnot. But it's because they also really know this stuff. So they have some really good ones that when you see them and they're like, oh, that is a great idea. Maybe I should. Yeah, I'm going to do that. I mean, that's what's so great going back to that hundred dollars is you can try this stuff. I'm out on the road right now, and I rely heavily on Linode as an intermediate infrastructure between the studio and my RV. I can move things up to Linode and then push them down at the RV at the pace the RV's connection is capable of handling. That is so, so handy. And it's just one of the many ways that it's sort of like, a, it's like, it honestly is like Linode is the moons that that orbit Jupiter. And they're they're supplying our infrastructure from orbit. <laughs> that's honestly how we look at it. And I I I consider them an integral part of our business. And I think you'd be really comfortable. And I think you'd be really impressed if you did too. Or if you're just setting up a project for friends and family, or maybe you already have like a lot in one cloud provider and you're feeling like that's a big risk. And you want to go something that's a little more spread out, you know, go with a multi-cloud approach and don't put all your eggs in one basket. Linode is also great for that because their pricing is 30 to 50% cheaper than the other major hypervisors out there. Just go try them out. They're just a great, great set of offerings that all come together to make it the best place to run anything that runs on Linux. Yeah, you can run it on Linode. So go to linode.com slash coder, get $100 on a new account for 60 days, and you support the show. Linode.com slash coder. I know this got your attention. Microsoft is officially, unofficially deprecating UWP or the Universal Windows platform. Mmm, madre forkers. It's like, you know, Microsoft has been so cagey about this the entire time. They didn't say it's retired. They didn't say it's deprecated. They said, quote, it will only receive bug, reliability and security fixes. No new features. But it didn't actually say it was deprecated.
1: So this is not about UWP. This is about Windows Phone, and I need a deckard cane. Stay a while and listen. Long ago, in a galaxy called New Jersey, I thought it was a good idea to make a significant, for me at the time, investment in Windows Phone development. If it
0: sounds like I'm crying, it's because I am. Chris, how would you say that went? Pretty badly, Mike. Pretty badly. (laughs) That's what I'd say. I'd say you you made a big bet. You got some good hardware. You had some good concepts for apps. And then just as you got rolling, Microsoft pulled the rug out from underneath you and sent you tumbling. (laughs) Actually, we can't sell these.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. The worst part is my wife at the time, her job was selling them. She worked for Microsoft. I should have known when she came home every night and was like, damn, I can't sell these phones. That may be not the best choice. Could have been an indicator, you know, a a data point, perhaps. Could have been. But I was insane. So I'm sorry. Every time I think about Windows Phone 8, I I like it destroys my mind. I know. Because it it was such a good system. It's, it's, It's like WebOS. It's so good. But it.
0: It was too good for the world. Well, a lot of the a lot of the visual cues that we now just take for granted, like things that indicate there's a little more content uh, to the left or the right or to the bottom of the screen. That was them. They came up with that. The whole flat trend. They started the flat
1: trend again. Exactly. All the in and, and the advanced notifications. And what is it? Android 47, whatever the new one is. You mean Android NSA edition? Yeah, that. Yeah. OK. Oh, uh, hang on. Hang on, Chris. Oh, oh, Mr. Cheney. Yeah, no, I, 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 he said it. <laughs> what?
0: Right, right. No, you got to watch out.
1: He's a jackass. Reminds me of better days, Brock, when we were together and I was losing tense. Simpler times. Yeah, so anyway. Simpler times. UWP. I'm realizing they renamed the same framework about seven times, so I'm trying to figure out how to get to UWP. So it was Windows Phone 7. It was Silverlight, right? And then it was Metro? Was
0: Metro after Silverlight? Yep, Metro. And then they even called it Project Reunion for a short period of time. No, Reunion's new. Reunion's the... the I thought there was a code name for it. but Reu- Oh, Reunion's the new uh, Windows app SDK, isn't it? That's what it no, is.
1: No, because there was a whole Steven Sanoski thing that everybody's going to rewrite their stuff in C++. Yes. I think that was just like Windows SDK, which is weird because
0: that's the current name now. Right. Right, they do that sometimes. I know. They <laughs> you, you, all, you all can Google this. They really do. We'll have a link in the show notes for it. Yeah. But, but
1: point being, this is not the first, and frankly, nor will it be the last time, that something called, that is UWP will be deprecated. Mm-hmm. And uh, I personally hate them. I, I don't know what to say. Like it, it was such a good idea, Windows Phone, executed so poorly. UWP was a good idea, but they just couldn't, they couldn't make it work because no one is buying apps on Windows that aren't like enterprise, you know, call me sales
0: guy apps. That's it. Yeah. They just, they lost their market opportunity to make that move. It was too little too late. Damn shame though. Really is a damn shame. Do they make it up for you with Visual Studio Code? I know that you were keen to see vscode.dev light up in this last week. And uh, it's as you would expect. It's a full, well, a fairly full web edition of VS Code in the browser. You can open up uh, local files, though. So it's kind of just like VS Code, since it's an Electron app. But now it's in the browser. It does have a few limits because of that. But what do you think of this? Now, as someone who, you know, often gives away Thalios to students learning STEM,
1: I think this is great.
0: That's a good point. My, uh, my kids are so web app first now, I think because of the Chromebooks. Like, when they want to edit a video or edit a, a photo, they go to Google and they search for web apps to do it. Wait, your kid's school has Chromebooks, too? Oh, yeah.
1: It's funny. Yeah. My son, it's they're like, he thinks Chrome is the OS. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they all have them. He also asked me for a Guy Fox max so I was concerned.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And even on their on their laptops at home now, they've asked for Chrome because that's what they're used to using at school. And, you know, they get pretty impressive results from some of these web apps. The school teaches them uh, like the video editing app and stuff like that. So VS Code.dev kind of does fit right in with that world. I hadn't thought about that.
1: Yeah, it makes a ton of sense to me. I mean, VS Code is really just like a, a Node.js Electron app, right? So you could run a VS Code server. In fact, that's been possible for a long time.
0: But the difference here is this is hosted by Microsoft on their infrastructure and it's quick, it's snappy, and they're updating it directly.
1: Right. So what they're gonna do is let me write a bunch of code on it and then delete it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still mad, guys. I'm still mad.
0: Windows Phone 8 was great. You know what works great is their integration with GitHub now. So you can be at GitHub, and you can be on a repo, and if you hit the period, I think it's just you hit period on your on your keyboard, it opens up that repo in GitHub, and you're instantly editing the files inside VS Code, and of course, because wow. you know, the extensions and whatnot, it knows the language. Yeah, it's great. You know what I've done is on my Home Assistant box here in my RV, I've set up a VS Code web instance, so I have a local VS Code editor running on my Raspberry Pi, that I can just fire up from any computer with a bookmark, Uh, you know, from tablet to from a desktop machine. And I find that super useful because I can edit stuff directly on my file server using that. Very handy. Uh, But the one that Microsoft set up here lets you access things on the local machine just using the uh, File System Access API. So you have to have a browser that supports the File System Access API, but most do. There are some things that won't work, um, the terminal and the debugger are not going to work, obviously. It's it's a lightweight version. Not quite everything's there. Microsoft breaks it out into good, better, and best. They say that, uh, obviously, things that just detect the uh, language type and can do text completion, that's going to work good. Your better experience is going to be your TypeScript, your JavaScript, and your Python. That's going to be your better experience. And your best experience in VS Code for the web, surprise, surprise, is what they call quote webby languages such as JSON, HTML, CSS, and uh, all that kind of stuff. Makes a ton of sense, right? Yeah. yeah. In that case, it's gonna be it's gonna be exactly as identical to the desktop as it gets using VS Code.dev. What they take, they give us? You feel better now? I'm still pissed. <laughs> <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Datadog, the monitoring security platform for developers, security professionals, operation teams, and anyone that's working in the cloud age. Unify your metrics, your traces and logs all in one place and troubleshoot issues faster and break down silos and communicate better between teams with Datadog. They have incredible, beautiful, real-time dashboards. Go to datadog.com slash Not only for the trial, but also so you can just see these beautiful real-time dashboards. And you can plug into over 450 technologies you probably already have in your business. You can easily pivot from a high-level overview of your entire environment <clears throat> right down to a granular level. Individual metrics and events. They offer infrastructure monitoring, application performance monitoring, security monitoring, real-time user monitoring, and so much more in one place. So go get started with a free Datadog trial. Go to datadog.com slash Go see why thousands of companies and hundreds of Coder Radio listeners are using Datadog as their monitoring solution. If you start a free trial and you create one dashboard, well, Datadog will also send you a free t-shirt. And I could use one of those right now. There's no washer and dryer out in the woods. Free stuff's always great, and a trial's even better. Go see why Datadog is so darn great. Go to datadog.com slash Coder Radio. A little bit of Apple stuff before we get out of here. Just the, just, just the tip. So WWDC must be dead because Apple has announced tech talks. Wait, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. I think this is this is Apple getting ahead of the sandwich. Seriously? Oh, I do, yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't agree. Developers can now interface with Apple experts in virtual sessions that happen um, on October 25th to December 17th. Developers can register for office hours and get 30 minutes with a developer um, and get app improvement ideas, design revisions, and even help with bug fixes. This is Apple trying to make up for what people paid $2,000 to go to WWDC for was the chance to talk to an Apple developer after a session. Now they're doing tech talks with Apple experts And they're going to move this to a one-on-one guidance kind of thing that you can schedule virtually. And they're going to do these every now and then. And I think they're going to eliminate the developers coming to WWDC. And now it's just going to be Apple in the press in the future. So are you saying that they're going to never have an in-person WWDC?
1: Or are you saying there's not going to be any WWDC?
0: I'm saying there's going to be a WWDC. It's just you ain't invited. It's just going to be the press and the mucky mucks. You know, it's going to be maybe the developers they're featuring up on stage. Because it's, I think what they're going to do is a hybrid event going forward. Mostly produced with a few hands-on things and then a press area and they'll have an expanded press area so the YouTubers can do their vlogs. But developers, you're getting these virtual events, you're out. We say that with such disdain. They can't be having 3,000 developers there all in all. It's just What are they going to do? It just doesn't scale anyways. Yeah, but WWDC is
1: not just about talking to an Apple engineer or getting help. It's It's a, I mean, it's a social event,
0: right? It's like, Yeah. It's like everybody, it's our annual cotillion. I don't know. I think you're absolutely right. It's huge. If you look at the Apple press, they all know each other because they see each other at WWDC. And that's how they've all networked. It's been absolutely critical to Apple forming a community with these, you know, representatives and thought leaders in that community. I mean, it's been huge and it will be not good. (laughs) For the Apple community, somebody will probably come along and offer an event, but it's not going to be the same. We've seen this happen before. You know, Mac world, Apple used to be involved and they pulled out. It's not, it's not unusual for Apple to do this. The more I think about it, the more I think you might be right, but. It'd be a loss. It's
1: disappointing, right? To see all these community events, not just Apple ones, but all of them having suffered so much.
0: My thought on that is um, when you can't pro and con human interaction like, uh, you know, I have a different connection with Optimus Grey, who's in the chat room right now, because I've met him in person now. I I will always think of that now when I see him show up in the chat room. And it it until you've had the experience that I've had, where you take virtual only relationships and convert them into person relationships, and you do that for years, then you start to go, oh, this is actually the most important and most valuable thing I do. I thought it was having a booth and and giving a good talk. And, you know, when I go to these events, it's not. And I had to come all the way around on the issue because I went into it like the people that say the hall track is the most important thing in the networking. That's a bunch of lazy people who don't want to go learn in sessions. That's who they are and they're wasting their co- they're wasting their money, you know, their company money or whatever. I seriously was that guy when I started going. Really. And by the end of it, I was completely on the other end of it. I was like, wow, it's the most important thing I do is go out to lunch with the audience and the most important thing I do is, you know, I've met a lot of uh, the of uh, the hosts at events and just stuff like that. And it's just been absolutely critical. And I think until you've experienced that a few times, you don't realize it because it's It's ephemeral. It's not something that could be on a pro and con list. And it varies a little bit for each person and each individual. And so it's so easy to say, well, coronavirus is dangerous. Therefore, we should do this or it's cheaper to do this. But man, we are missing out. And I think we don't interact as well with people and we don't give people as much grace and leeway uh, when they're having a bad day. When we only interact with them online, but when you've worked with them in person or you know them for a little while in person and you've seen them have a bad day in person, when they're having a bad day over Slack or Telegram, you're able to be more generous because they're an actualized person in your mind. Yeah. So I've always been like the whole track is the most important, right? Yeah, you've known all. You figured out way before
1: I did. Wow, well, but it also makes sense, right? Because I'm trying to sell, you know, software or whatever. Right? Sales. Right,
0: so. Yeah, you were going exactly. You were going at sales, and I'm I was going at it from I need to absorb as much information as possible to relay it in a podcast.
1: Sorry to be so negative, folks, but I'm worried that we will just have permanently lost a bunch of community events because of COVID.
0: Yeah it it seemed like it, it's going to happen now that it's gone on for so long,
1: particularly in a I know it. the big ones are great, right? WWC, Linux West, Northwest. But I actually tend to enjoy the smaller local ones where it's like folks that you might actually like. I mean, Tampa's not tiny, but all right. So make fun of me all you want. I love the Strats. It's our local theater. Like it's you. There's a small chance you'd run into them, right? Going out with their spouse or whatever at the theater that you were just at a tech conference with. And if the conference is only, let's say, 100, 200 people, it's not like a giant thing. Those are, I I like those a lot. They're not as well produced and the food sucks and all this kind of stuff, but.
0: They don't have like all the art in the hallways and the banners and stuff.
1: Yeah, they don't have a band. Like Shakira's not coming (laughs) telling you that hips don't lie. But. (laughs) Totally. That's a a Silicon Valley reference for anybody who knows. It, I don't know. It's just like, you know what? Like there's a company called Source Toad in Tampa. I used to see those dudes all the time. I haven't seen them in a year and a half, two years now, because there's no events. Right, we're all like holed up in our little caves.
0: You know, doing the Linux events. I've I've attended events that are thirty people, and I've done events that are you know twenty thousand people. And I mean that like some of the some of the larger corporate events that are down in Vegas or on the East Coast. Um, like I've never been to some of those, but those are even huge, like bigger, right, larger events. And so it really scales. But I think we all kind of know this: humans don't work very well at that scale. Like when you're that big, everybody just becomes just another anonymous face, just one of the many in the crowd. But when you're at an event that's between 230 people, you know, 200 and maybe even 10 people, like in that range, that's enough where your brain can actually individualize each person and and actually like make some connections and it's a better event because of that and plus people are better in smaller groups (laughs) there's that too people behave better they're more accountable in a smaller group so all those things are part of the social dynamic as well they're more willing
1: to (laughs) afford someone grace if they're like having a bad time instead of just dunking on them yeah
0: so, um, I think it's kind of unfortunate, but this is, of course, Apple's made no announcement, but if I were Apple and I were going to wind down developers at WWDC, the way I would do it is by getting out ahead of it by launching these tech talks. Damn, that does sound right, too. I know. And it would be, you know, maybe for the better because you really want to pay $2,500 every year to maybe get a chance to talk to a presenter when you could just schedule something and have it on your calendar. See, I think that's a bad argument, right? That's...
1: Yes, WWC is ridiculous. The ticket price is nuts. But people mimic WWDC. Even people who would say they don't, they do. Oh,
0: yeah. Look like at Google I.O.
1: If WWC and Google I.O. go this way. Like, for instance, you know what? I have never been to WWDC. Every year I got a ticket, I couldn't go. Every year I wanted to go, I couldn't get a ticket. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but like all conf is nice, which is like the folks who didn't get a ticket, mm-hmm. but it's, it runs in parallel.
0: Well, and yeah, and to your point, there's still networking benefits to going, even if you don't attend the actual WWDC event itself. I was talking about this last week, wasn't I a Florida developer conference,
1: Florida, Florida DevConf. I don't I think it's done. I mean, I tried to reach out and say, hey, what's going on? You know, yeah, but you know, I, w- I was literally going to have TMB sponsor it. No one's responding. It seems like it's not happening because of COVID, but that was like the I, the ideal relatively small conference. It was in Disney World, so that's great. Bring the kid, right? bring everybody. You know, yeah, you know how it is. It, mom or dad, whoever was. Yeah, it's
0: it's a, it's a family event and a business event. <laughs> yeah, those are nice,
1: actually. Right. That the, you, you you could tell like you know the moms and dads who are the tech people will go to the conference and hang out in the contemporary hotel. That's where the conference was hosted, and the other parent. Would be like with the kid, right? Like in in I don't know, Narnia, Animal Kingdom. I'm not super up on Disney. But it was always the same. Like I've I've been down here so long, like I'd recognize, oh hey, they're the big companies, but oh source toads here. Oh, you know, the guys from Orlando are here, right? Um, they just changed their name. I don't remember. They they're the folks who made um Rails for Zombies, but they they have a different name now. But it doesn't matter. I feel like we're going to lose something if we don't have these in-person events.
0: Maybe we'll be lucky, and it's not a reduction. Maybe it's an expansion. Maybe it's this plus WWDC, but we'll find out. And then others, like you say, will follow. And that's also why it matters, because it really will have ramifications beyond just Apple. Um, but before we get off of Apple, um, the reviews have landed today as we record of the MacBook Pro, M1 Pro, and M1 Max. We're starting to see impressions of people that have had them for about a week and more, and maybe we can change. And I think you've uh, you've had a bit of an internal struggle on this one. I've seen several orders go by in Slack, and I, I don't know if any of them still stand. So last week you said, no, nah, I don't think I'm going to do this. But then you started reading the reviews and hearing the impressions, and I think you changed your mind. So where are you now? Are you going to get one? Did you get one? What's happening? I ordered a 16-inch M1 Pro. Oh!
1: And then canceled it. Okay. I then ordered a 14-inch M1 Max. Right. With 64 gigs of RAM. Ooh. And then canceled it. Oh. <laughs> I am pleased to say
0: I am not getting one of these. Okay. You've come to a decision again. For now.
1: Okay. Let's be honest.
0: I can't be trusted. I tell you it'd be a no-brainer if they'd announced a desktop. So, you know, when Apple announced the M1s, feels like it was forever ago. You know, you asked me then if I was going to get one. And I said, no, I'm going to wait. 16 gigs is not enough RAM. That was a hard limit for me on the MacBook Pro back in the uh, butterfly keyboard days. I just, I need more than 16 gigs of RAM. Can't do it. Hard pass. But I knew that Apple was going to address that. So I said, "Okay, let's start setting aside some money now. I want, you know, I want to be ready in case they announce something I want to buy, especially if they announce a desktop. And, you know, I, I hate talking about this stuff because people, people get weird when I spend money. So I want, you know, I, I was very careful about this because I knew if I bought an Apple product, it was going to be a big deal for some people. And, I, you know, it was going to upset a couple of people. So I wanted, to be, I wanted to be measured. Save my pennies for a while and watch to see what they had. And I've decided to pull the trigger on a 16-inch, 64 gigabytes of RAM, Max with two terabytes of storage. And um, I think that's it. I think that's the only only changes I've made. And that'll be on its way. And um, I'm going to, you know, I've waited. I've waited this entire time to see what it's like. But I'm pretty impressed with what Apple announced. And so I've decided to go all in and pick one up. I don't know what the Linux compatibility story is going to be or anything. Um, And of course, it's not my only machine. I still, I'm going to keep my ThinkPad and I still have my uh, desktop. So we'll see. I'm going to just essentially add it to the arsenal and and see if it becomes my primary daily driver. I'm going to be very interested to see what the virtualization story is. I will add to this that one of the deciding factors was that uh, I got a chance to try out an M1 Mac Mini, and I installed a virtualization software on there and loaded up Fedora 35 in that VM and full-screened it. And it was so fast I could not, would not be able to tell you I was in a VM. Wow. And I'm using Wayland with 3D acceleration, and you just would not know. It worked. It's the, it was the fastest virtualization experience I have ever had on a computer. And so if it was that good on an M1, I can only imagine how good it'll be on an M1 Max with a lot more RAM given to it. So I think it's going to be a pretty good situation that way, that ways. And that's, that's a big, that's a, that was why I wanted more RAM to begin with is for virtualization and containers. So I'm going to pull the trigger and I'm going to get one and uh, it's been ordered. It should be here like at the end of November, like right before your Thanksgiving, I think. It's a lot of money to spend on a computer, but I knew it would be when I started saving my pennies for it. I knew it was going to be expensive and uh, Yeah. I wanted to make sure all my ducks were in a row, and I decided to pull the trigger after last week's episode, after doing some more thinking and, try and testing out of the mini. And I'm a little nervous at spending that much money because it makes me a little uncomfortable. But it's done. It's on its way, and uh, it's currently processing. I think because I because I just delayed my order and, and hemmed and hawed about it for a little while— I got initially a shipping notice of like December 24th (laughs) was when it was going to arrive. And I thought, well, okay, you know, whatever. That's fine. I'm not in a big rush. Uh, Fine. I'll go for it. And so I just put the submitted the order. And then I got an email from them a few days later saying that now my estimated ship date is November 24th. So I think when you put your orders in and then canceled them, it must have made room in the queue for my order. (laughs) Yeah, well, I hope you like it. Well, I look forward to the review. Yeah, we'll see. I'm uh, I'm so far impressed by the reviews that have trickled in. It, it looks it looks like a lot of performance, and you know, for me, like I'm I'm not a I'm not um, super up to date on the best ways to use macOS, but I've used it enough over the years that I don't feel like. Mac OS is going to be the big stumbling block that it is for like a lot of my friends who are going to try these machines out. They get in, they get in, it's like when people have been longtime Android users and they switch to iOS that they just lose their minds. (laughs) They don't know what to do, but I've had enough exposure over the years that I, I haven't used um, Big Sur and I haven't used um, mozzarella or whatever the next one is, but uh, I don't think it should be that big of a learning curve. Mozzarella. Really? Yeah. Isn't it? It comes out today too. Isn't it Monterey? Yeah, I think so. And I th- oh, it's a little cheese. I think it comes out today. But, you know, it's, it's kind of it's like you had been saying, like, the M1, when I tried that Mac Mini, and I was using the VM machine, and I put, like, I, I gave the VM, like, eight gigs of RAM or something like that. And I was using it, I was like, oh, Mike was right. This has been, I could have bought an M1 when they announced them. And it would have been powerful enough to do the job I needed to do. I think it would have been fast enough. I kind of just wrote it off because of 16 gigs of RAM and only, what is it, a four core or an eight core processor? I don't know. But it was like, come on, that's not enough. I, I want to run three operating systems at once and six containers and I want to have all my desktop applications. That's just not enough. Um, and then I tried that M1 And uh, it wasn't even like a fresh install or anything like that. It was an M1 from when they were released. And I loaded up that software and I full screened that VM. And I thought I could work all day long in this VM and not feel like I was sacrificing anything. Really? And I could have, yeah, I could have done that six, nine months ago. (laughs) I didn't need to wait, but I'm kind of glad I did because now I'm going to spend my money on a much nicer machine, which should be an even better experience. But it was one of those experiences. where I was like, "Yeah, Mike was right. I'll I'll admit it. The M1 is fast enough." And the thing is, too, and I know you said this, but it really makes a difference when you experience it. The machine doesn't even make a sound. Like I, when I touched it, it was cool to the touch. And you know, I'm running. I was running it quite a bit because I didn't close any of the desktop apps. The browser was going. I had chat going, and I went to town with the thing. I was really impressed, and that's what really pushed me over to get the the macbook because i thought well this laptop if this mini is this powerful then that laptop with an even faster chip is going to be plenty powerful how are you liking the mini is it is it holding up well i only had it for a couple of days it wasn't mine um so i gave it back but it was really nice when i tried it you know i hooked it up to an external dis- her, my my keyboard I hooked it up to the launch keyboard. (laughs) I hooked it up to a Asus, you know, just like screen. I bought off Amazon for years ago and a Logitech mouse and it felt nice. It's like, this is the nice thing about the mini is if you have, if you have your parts already, you just plug this thing in and you're good to go. And there's nice aspects to that. And I wish Apple had more offerings than just integrate all integrated systems except for this one, but we'll see. Maybe they will over time, but yeah, I thought it was a nice little box. Um, It'd make a good little home server for sure. It's food time for both of us, so we'll wrap it up by saying thank you to our friends at A Cloud Guru. Go find them on social media. It's just slash A Cloud Guru on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. You know, if it's uh, social media, well, they're over there. Thank you to our Coder QA members. Not only do you support the show, but you just got a brand new Coder Lee. Oh, You no, get a ad Really? It's true. The rumors are true. CoderQA.co requires the robe to listen to, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's been optimized for robe listening. Oh, I like that. That's great. <laughs> you can find Mike on Twitter. He's at Dumanuku, of course. Uh, anywhere else you want to send people? Go to alice.dev because I need to take a nap. That's right. Alice.dev. Go find him over there. I'm at ChrisLAS on Twitter. At Jupiter Signal is the network. And the show is at Coder Radio Show. Links to everything we talked about today are at coder.show437. Coder.show slash 437 where you'll find our contact form we'll double down on your emails next week so send in your questions your comments your feedback send that all over at Coder.show slash contact you'll find our RSS feed over there and this show is live on Mondays at noon Pacific 3pm Eastern live from space this week thanks so much for joining us space and we'll see you right back here next week on Coder Radio